Welcome to this GemTrain.org presentation, where you will be able to enjoy some wonderful free content that we sincerely hope will help you overcome the challenges of autism. Some content from this presentation is not included here, but the entire presentation is available on our website, GemTrain.org. Um, so I'm Janelle Nimer. I am an LCSW and a PhD. I graduated with my master's here from the University of Utah and my PhD from University of Tennessee, where I also completed a five-year fellowship in veterinary social work, where I was able to spend a lot of time working with animals and doing animal-assisted therapy. I really saw how much animals have helped many people heal. And I was talking to the Dean of the College of Social Work at the time, and I said that I really wanted to learn how to help people with animals. And she told me that I could do that and get paid for it and do it in therapy. And I went, that sounds really cool, let's do that. And so she kind of helped me with the process of starting my career in social work. Um, I've really enjoyed focusing my work on trauma. I think helping people heal through trauma is fascinating. And the way that the brain works is fascinating. And everybody is different. And the way that the brain copes is different. And being able to have that attachment with animals and see how they help really kind of almost makes healing progress so much more quickly just because they help us with that attachment that we need and that relationship. So when we are working with trauma, we are looking for that attachment, that relationship outside of just a therapy office. So if we build it here in our therapy office, whether we're in the office or at the stable, we can then help children and adults learn how to do it outside. And so having that connection is really strong. So this is Flower. Um, she is a service-trained facility dog. She was donated to our office by Canine Companions for Independence. They uh, train facility dogs and give all of their service dogs away for free. So a facility dog it passes a public access test, just like their regular service dogs do, but their facility dogs choose to go a different route where they really love social interaction and they really love play. Um, well, Flower really loves play. And she has really chosen this life of being able to help people heal through trauma therapy. Flower chose being a part of our team in team training. So her life starts with 18 months of being trained by a puppy raiser. And then she goes to college, is what they call it, with a professional trainer. Um, and her college took place in San Diego. And then when we met her in team training, we did a couple of days kind of walking around and doing commands with a couple of different dogs. And what the professional trainers do is they look for bonding and they really look for the dogs that bond with the people that 
kind of do the commands with them to see which dogs choose the people that they want to work with. And she really chose to kind of come back to Salt Lake with us and play and have fun with us. It's amazing to see how in that class we had 15 graduates. We had people getting service dogs. We had children with autism getting skilled companions. And in that class, they said that it was one of the easiest matching classes because every single dog chose who they wanted to work with. And just being a part of that process, we feel so fortunate and so blessed. And seeing this new family that we have of all these new friends and relationships where we now talk to people that we wouldn't have talked to before, where they really are amazing. The dogs are amazing, where they've bonded, and all the amazing work that they've done with, whether it's the service dogs or Flower with us, You've, we've really seen so much progress just in the last two years that she's been with us and that they've been passed out with everybody. It's really fantastic. It's really amazing to see how she just gravitates to people who we wouldn't have noticed that they may have needed some extra love and support, but she did. We didn't realize just by somebody walking into her office that maybe they were feeling really down or they were having some major flashbacks or dissociation. And she would just walk right up to them and sit at their feet or cuddle with them right up on the couch and just fall asleep on their lap. And they would just start crying. And it would just be amazing to see how that just comes out. Whereas normally in a therapy session, we wouldn't have seen that. And the client may not have disclosed the kind of struggles that they were going through. So a therapy dog can make it really easy in many different ways. If you think about going back to just our attachment to dogs or animals in general, there are many songs that are written about dogs. For example, Hound Dog by Elvis Presley, or Bingo, B-I-N-G-O, or How Much Is That Doggy in the Window? So we bring a lot of these songs in just in therapy because of this natural attachment that we have to animals. And we would be doing that even before we had the dog in the room, but once we bring the dog into the room, we can have a dance party with the dog. And it's a lot of fun because we will start dancing. And Flower will get up and dance with us. I had a client teach her how to weave through our legs. And sometimes she'll even jump up and we'll dance with her legs. And it's a lot of fun to just bring that in and bring that sense of joy that maybe somebody who's experienced a trauma, they haven't felt that in a very long time. I have a lot of clients describe trauma to me like they're broken and they can't put the pieces back together. And just that few minutes of joy of singing a song about dogs and bringing 
that together with a dog in the room even brings that piece, one more piece to that puzzle of their heart and their soul back together. Um, with trauma, our perceptions are definitely skewed. Our brain is flooded with negative emotions, negative thoughts. Our intrusive feelings can come up where we are feeling like we're all alone. And a lot of the children that we work with that are neurotypical and on the spectrum really struggle. But they think they're all alone. They think that nobody understands. They think that nobody will ever get to that point to really see them. And so there's a lot of anger outbursts. There's a lot of violence that maybe they didn't have before. And so being able to bring an animal into the session to help calm those emotions and get them to that point where they can understand that they're not alone. Uh, there are many others out there that really see them and that can really help them. And especially the dogs that can give them that unconditional love and that safety. If we bring horses into the mix, they can really feel safe around the horses. So with horses, that safety is they start to learn how to control a 1,500 pound animal. And so getting that sense of control and that sense of power gives them that sense of, I can do more with my life. I can have that safety, I can have that power. And I can build this relationship in a whole new environment. It's kind of relating it from just the therapy office to now the barn, and then we can start relating it to home, and then we can start relating it to school. So a lot of times when we incorporate Calm Safe Place, um, my favorite stories really include the little kids that get really creative. So one of my favorites is a little girl who her Calm Safe Place was a unicorn place. It was full of unicorns and a beach and she was petting flower and she started to get sad. And we talk about Calm Safe Place not being a sad place. And I asked, why is it getting sad? And it's because she brought up how much she missed her dog. And so we added a rainbow bridge to take her to the rainbow bridge. To see her dogs and to see her past pets. And every pet she could ever imagine was there. And then she started to talk about how she could even see flower there. And she just started bringing up how much all of the other dogs living and passed on were there. And every other animal, even animals that she sees at the zoo were there. And now she knows that whenever she goes to her calm, safe place, every animal can be there that she can play with. And so being able to incorporate these animals has started to give children like her strength. 
where at first it started to make her a little bit sad, but then we brought it into her own personal resource. And having Flower here really helped her start to realize that she has that strength inside of her, that then she could expand on this meditation and expand on this growth, where she's like, yeah, I have more. I can add zoos <laughs> and I can add every other animal. That's really cool. So being able to help children with trauma and get more meditation, get more strength for them, really benefits them in a way to decrease their hypervigilance, decrease their emotions that are out of control. It also decreases the negative emotions. So when we start teaching them meditations and guided imagery and calm, safe places and realigning the right and left side of the brain with using EMDR, it really helps them start to regulate those emotions that get to be out of control and a little too much for them to handle. Because that's one of the biggest things that we really need to do with trauma in general, is to kind of deregulate. We want them to be able to cope and relax. So when we do start talking about the traumas, they can handle it. So the research does show that the children on the spectrum are at higher risk for abuse and trauma. And there are a couple reasons why. One is that they can be potentially seen as an easier target, especially those children who are nonverbal, because a lot of perpetrators see them as not being able to tell, not being able to tell the secret. So the scary family member or the bully at school could be hurting them, and we may not ever know it unless they display some of these behaviors that we've talked about. And those are the things that are really scary, is we work with clients who are neurotypical and they still have a hard time talking about it. They still have a hard time coming forward. And then these kids that are on the spectrum where an uncle, a babysitter, anybody could hurt them and could threaten them. And where there are a lot of children on the spectrum who are very, very intelligent, but maybe don't speak for one reason or another, don't know how to handle it and don't know what to do. So it's definitely something to be very aware of on how to help them and that it is important to keep them safe and to have a lot of trusting close family members with them. We hope you're enjoying this presentation. At any time, we invite you to go to gemtrain.org and gain the additional guidance from this presenter that can help you fully grow and flourish as you gain the skills and confidence to help those you love on the autism spectrum. Um, some safety precautions for children on the spectrum would be to Absolutely check out references for babysitters. Call them, 
make sure that the babysitters are okay and that they have a good history and that they don't have a history of hurting children. I would also talk to other families and see what they do as their best practices. Maybe join a support group, talk to other parents. You could also maybe have a rule of not having sleepovers. That way you know that your child is always home with you and not under the supervision of anybody else. You could do, you could, you know, trade off if you are like a husband and wife team of, you know, who gets to go with them if you want to do something like that. Um, or who gets to be a part of the social interactions when you do go out to activities with friends um, and just kind of have that supervision so you're constantly there. But there are a lot of kind of different ways that you can approach the safety to make sure that the children on the spectrum are constantly supervised and not really left alone with people that you don't know and even with family members. But that way you can keep them safe. So it's really important to make sure that as parents or caregivers that you are their eyes and ears because children on the spectrum won't see a perpetrator as a perpetrator. They may not even conceptualize the person in front of them as even there. They may be thinking about the wheels on the car or the red trains. And that's all that's in their mind. And they're not picking up on those. And they're not picking up on any of the subtle perpetrator type grooming behaviors that they might be experiencing. So cognitive behavioral therapy is a normal type of therapy that we use a lot, especially with children on the spectrum. And then we incorporate a trauma-focused piece to it when a child has experienced a trauma. And this piece adds psychoeducation, parenting, relaxation, emotional expression, and a trauma narrative, along with safety, mastery of kind of those cognitive coping skills, and stabilization. And then we take all of those lovely pieces and add a flower or our horses into each of those fun activities. So we would do any of the meditations with the animals, or we might do some parenting skills with the animals where we would do some child and parent joint sessions and teach each other about communication together and how we might work in some fun interactive skills. So one of my favorite child and parent activities we call a lily pad game or sometimes I call it a paw print game, depending on which paws or pads I'm using. But we'll lay out a starting one and an ending one, and depending on how many people are in the family session, each person gets their own felt piece. And they have to work together to get across the floor, only stepping on the felt pieces. 
They can't step off of them or they have to start over. And they have to keep one of Flower's paws on the felt piece at all times as well. And they get one square for her. And it's really interesting to watch how creative parents and children get on getting across the room. And they have to bring all of the felt squares from the beginning, so including the starting piece, all the way to the end. And I've seen some parents get really creative or some children get really creative with this where sometimes they put the children on their backs and they go piggyback in order to have those extra pieces. Other times they'll wrap a felt square right around Flower's paw so she can just walk across and she carries hers with her the whole time. <laughs> but they get really creative to the point where they are working together and they're talking and they're problem solving. And sometimes they have to start over a few times. But a lot of times it ends up being this really fun game where they learn how to communicate better and they learn how their body language can get creative in a way that they can take it home and start doing it at home, right? And we'll stop and process that. So a lot of times the dysfunction comes out when we have to start over, when somebody steps off a felt square accidentally or they trip or whatever. And that's when that frustration comes out and they might yell or get upset or cry. And so we stop and we talk about it. And we bring up, okay, so when does this happen at home? Okay, let's fix it. How can we fix this? What do we need to do to problem solve, to make it better? So I'm sitting here with Flower. She's Flower the Fourth. She was donated to our office by Canine Companions for Independence. She is four and a half. She is a trained facility dog, so that means she passes a public access test and a therapy dog test. So she can go to court with our clients that have to testify on the stand. And she knows all of our therapy dog skills and commands that she might need here in the office. So part of some of the fun activities that we incorporate animals into when we're doing EMDR or TFCPT or any kind of mindfulness activity is we love yoga. So some of the fun ways we do yoga is we'll do doga where flower gets to be involved. And if we do doga, we'll have her walk under clients if they're in a warrior pose or in a plank pose, she'll actually lay underneath like their hands. Uh, some of her favorite commands are like an under command. So she thinks it's a fun new game that we're playing. She also really enjoys kind of going in between clients. So if we'll do a group yoga session, she thinks that that's like her favorite game. Hi, are we talking about you? Yeah. Yes, we are. Hi. Uh, we'll also do yoga with horses. So when we're doing yoga, we'll do it on horseback. So you're just doing the poses with your arms. So you might do a warrior pose, but just up on horseback and working on balance and posture. With yoga and mindfulness, it's really important for all types of therapy and especially with children on the spectrum to really start to learn how to understand their emotions and control their emotions. And Doga helps a lot with that. And we get to start to laugh and have fun. 
I don't know if you've heard of laughing yoga, but we start to incorporate a lot of the laughing part when flowers in the room. So animal assisted play therapy is a fairly new modality that has combined animal assisted therapy with play therapy. So what we do is we incorporate this sense of play into our therapy, whether it's child-centered or directive. The key features with animal assisted play therapy is really making sure that there is playfulness in both the child and the animal. We want to make sure that it's a mutually beneficial relationship and we let the animal choose how much they really want to be apart or away from the session, like Flower just did here. <laughs> so we can really have fun. So the dog is having fun, the horse is having fun, and the children are having fun. Or my adults, I make them kind of get involved in my play therapy as well. And really, we see a lot of improvement in our trauma symptoms, and especially the negative depression, anxiety, emotional symptoms, because we get to see that joy and we get to see that playfulness come out. Yeah, so that's part of what our parent-child interaction therapy sessions are about, is we may use flower during those therapy sessions where the parents and children are together. We'll do something like the tennis balls where we'll have a blue tennis ball to represent sad, a yellow one to represent happy, a pink one to represent excited, etc. Um, and then I'll give the parents one of each of those to take home with their family pet. And then they'll do the same thing at home over and over again to practice those skills. And then they'll come back and report how things went at home with their family pet and their kids. So we absolutely do that in like the parenting and the coping skill sessions. And so we can keep practicing those throughout all of our therapy sessions together. So the horse boy method is a type of therapeutic horseback riding. And it was developed by a journalist and a psychologist who had a severely autistic child. The journalist is a writer for travel and had a very strong connection with shamans. And so he decided that once they were given the diagnosis of autism, that he was going to take his child and his wife and a documentary team on a trip to Mongolia to meet shamans. And they did this long horseback riding trek all across Mongolia to meet many, many shamans to try and help his son. And what he discovered is along with the shamans, with the prayer, the meditation, that the horses were equally effective. The riding, the repetitive movement helped his son that by the end of the trip, he was potty trained, he had developed a friend and was communicating, talking, whereas before he wasn't doing any of those things. So now he and his wife have developed the horseboy method out of Texas. And they've 
gone out and started promoting that horseback riding is huge to help children on the spectrum just start to have some of these skills that where the dad just really thought that maybe we just need to see these shamans and the only way to get to them was on horseback but yet okay we just need we just need the horses let let's include them let's offer this hope let's offer this help so that's part of what we're here for let's have this bigger sense of community let's include so many more people, so many more animals to help these children, to give them that ability to potentially grow and change so they can start being the best them, whatever that looks like. Because all of our children on the spectrum have the ability to be the best them, which is different, that we love because they're amazing. They, even if they can't communicate, even if they don't have a lot of friends, their intelligence, their ability to see the world differently is beautiful. And if we can start to really see it that way, we might be able to grow together. And we might be able to change the world with them. And we have that ability if we can go out and build that community. So continue working with your team and grow more. Get more community members, get more people to help you. Get that sense of respite that you might need. Give yourself a break. Because as parents, you can only do the best that you can. Maybe get your own dog for yourself. Get your own therapist, but also experience the world in a way that maybe you wouldn't have before. And see in pictures, see in color, and hear the music that maybe they hear that we might not have heard before. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation. We now invite you to go to gemtrain.org and gain the additional guidance from this presenter that can help you fully grow and flourish as you gain the skills and confidence to help those you love on the autism spectrum.